Good morning and welcome. Let's invite our speaker for this morning. Father in heaven, I want to thank you so much for your precious word that's in our hands and for the Holy Spirit that's been given to us to speak to us. Let this word go deep into our hearts and do a mighty work of changing, renewing, reviving and, and strengthening our faith deep down within. Lord, our faith is the only eternal thing we have here on earth. Father God, would you strengthen it? In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. This morning I want to welcome you to the fourth and last part of the short letter series where we are where we are looking at the single chapter books in the Bible that give us some encouragement, some warning, and we want to glean from that and not miss out. Sometimes those pages stick and you never know what you're missing out, you know, so we don't want to miss. And this is Jude. And you get all the way to the end and right before Revelation, there's the book of Jude. So let's begin. Faith comes from hearing. Faith comes from hearing, hearing the word of God. That's what the word of God says. So as we hear the word of God, the word of God is like seed that enters good soil, soil that wants to bear fruit, and it, it activates faith in our life. When we hear wrong voices, they destroy and denounce our faith. Let me level with you. If you have been cheated and swayed down the wrong track, would you not wish to be warned? Would you not wish that someone who loved you enough would tell you the truth about the direction you're going in or the impending doom or the, the tragedy you might face if you kept down the same track? It's a very serious matter, my friends. Many, many have lost their faith. They have stumbled along the way. The voices of the critics have become too much. They've not been able to answer life's difficult, painful circumstances they're not been able to see where the grace of God is the presence of God is the goodness of God is in a life and a world like ours today and they have lost their faith and they have been swayed sometimes we're not able to reconcile what we see and what we hear from God's word and God's voice and our faith is derailed so it is a very serious matter and here are some cases where wrong voices can denounce and destroy your faith. So God has set a caution in place for us to listen to. Let me quickly go through this and then talk about how we can immunize our faith. I hope your heart and mind is with me. So there are two types of voices that threaten our faith and we must immunize our faith. We must immunize our faith. Otherwise, it will be overpowered. Here in the short letter of Jude, he warns us against serious threats to the faith, especially in the last days. Jesus is coming soon and we consider these the last days. So there is a heightened deception. There is a pandemic of deception. And you should read the book of Jude for yourself because it is heavy. And I can't get into all the details this morning with you, but I want to glean from it and take the, uh, take the things that we could seriously think about and it would be helpful to our faith. And after you've read through the whole New Testament, then only read the book of Jude. Otherwise, you might be shaken a little bit. You might not be able to palate what Jude says because it's pretty hardcore. Jude really wants to warn. He really wants to alert. So if you don't have the love of God deep in your heart, you're not going to see it and hear it as coming from the Lord. He talks about stuff that's happening right now that you see on television, that you see in churches, that you see in people uh, around you, that you read in books. He's talking about arguments and, and philosophies and, and ideologies right now that are that you need to be warned 
against. You, you and I need to be warned about. So there are two voices, and let me put that in front of you right now. Number one, there's the voices that cheapen grace. There's the voices that cheapen grace. Uh, let me take you to it. Let me show you what Jude says in chapter one, which is one chapter there, verse three and four. I felt compelled to write, Jude is talking, and urge you to do what? To contend for the faith. You see that? He says, I felt compelled to write and urge you to contend, fight for the faith, resist the deception, fight for the faith that was once for all entrusted to God's holy people. Then he says in verse four, for certain individuals, particular people whose condemnation was written about long ago, these are people who were destined in this direction, have secretly slipped in among you. They are ungodly people who pervert the grace of God, pervert the grace of our God, and and, and they pervert it into a license for immorality and deny Jesus Christ, our only sovereign and Lord. So there are certain people who are who, who whose agenda it is to misguide. And they are among us and they have been they have crept in. Interesting term there. They have crept in among us. But look at the three or four things he says here. He says they have secretly slipped in or crept in among us. They have perverted, perver not inverted, but perverted, twisted the grace of our God. So they've taken what we understand to be the grace of God, the grace uh, awakening of God, the grace enabling of God, the grace standing of God, everything to do with our sin, to do with our power, to do with our salvation, our sanctification, our enabling, our future glory, everything that God's grace provides. They have perverted that into a license for immorality. A license for immoral. What does that even mean? It means this, that they will somehow make allowances for the sexual, the sensual and the sensory. Can I say that again? They talk faith. They talk about the grace of God and the welcoming acceptance of God, the love of God. And these are churches, leaders. These are preachers. These are authors. These are people who are exalting faith and talking about faith. They are faith uh, pro uh, propagators or they, they, they promote faith, but they pervert it and make a license for the sexual for the sensual and for the sensory. And wherever you see from cults to the occult, from heresies to cults, wherever you see a swaying off, there is definitely signs of the desire to accommodate fleshly indulgences and be okay with it. You can do the rest of the thinking. I don't even have to tell you, but you have seen it on TV. You heard it all around you and you see how people make allowances for themselves. They permit themselves this. They allow this and then they want to redefine the grace of God so that they can still claim to be genuine followers, disciples of Jesus Christ, yet live with a lifestyle that Jesus would never live. Voices that cheapen grace. The second type of voices that Jude talks about is voices that ridicule grace. They ridicule grace. Uh, drop with me to verse 17 and following. 
in verse 17, he says, but you, talking to believers, disciples, remember, beloved, the predictions of the apostles. That means the apostles that Jesus sent to us, they told you this was going to happen. They, this is not a surprise. This is not something that just showed up. This is not something that you're like, where did that come from? They knew it was coming. They said in the last days, there's going to be an equal and opposite force deceiving God's people, deceiving the genuine who are in faith, uh, as much as there is a force to evangelize and to, to, to spread the good news. He says in verse 17, but you remember predictions of the, of the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ. What do they say? Verse 18, they said to you in the last days, you see that in the last days, there will be, you see that on your screen, there will be, that's a certainty, scoffers, mockers, ridiculers. There will be scoffers following their, here it is again, their own ungodly passions. <laughs> it's like taking a lolly away from a baby. It's like taking an ice cream away from a two-year-old. It's like taking a phone away from a 16-year-old. It's like taking a, the car keys and the remote away from a 47-year-old. It's like taking something that is so dear that they begin to mock the grace of God. In the last days, scoffers will come. And, and, and by scoffing, they'll make you feel shy. They'll make you feel intimidated. They'll make you feel, think twice about your strong faith and what you revere, what you hold reverent, what you give respect and honor to. They will mock it. They will mock what you honor. So today you see that from churches to stand-up comedians and everywhere around us, you take the you take the sacred and mock it. Oh, that's that's so funny. That's so funny. Really? You take the name of Jesus and mock it. You take what God has called holy and you make a horrible, disrespectful display of it. I'm speaking of sex of sexuality, of intimacy, of marriage, of church, of fellowship, of preaching of the word. When people mock something, we all give that nervous laughter. We all make that nervous laugh, don't we? Like, <laughs> yeah, that's funny. Deep in our heart, our faith has been violated. But on the outside, we don't want to come across as, as, as squares. We don't want to come across as, as you know, uh, weirdo religious nuts. So we'd rather go with the mockers. When everybody's laughing at the joke, we'd rather laugh along. Voices that ridicule grace. Look at it. It says there, and in one sentence, in the same breath, he says, in the last days, scoffers will come following their ungodly passions. They want to live the way they, they choose. They want to permit everybody. This is, this is a classic it's classic. When you want to live a certain way, you allow everybody else to live their own way. Oh, come on. It's a free world. It's free life. You know, love is everywhere. Everything is love. Come on. You just everyone just do as you please. Who, who are you fooling? Who are you fooling? You want to do your own thing. So you want everybody else to do their own thing and go against God so that you don't have to look different or feel bad. These are the people. 
What kind of people are they? Look at verse 19. It is these, look at that, these people who cause divisions. They'll come in between you and if people are united on something, they'll bring in another train of thought. They'll bring in another opinion. They'll bring in something else to mock or to, to, to oppose so that suddenly now there are two sides of the story. It is these who cause divisions. They are worldly people. They're worldly people. They go after the world and they are devoid of the spirit. Here's what he's saying. Let me put it in, down in points so that we can kind of remember it. Here's what he's saying. In the last days before Jesus comes, there will be scoffers and they will ridicule the grace of God. They will ridicule the grace of God. What is the grace of God? The patience of God. That God has been quiet. That God doesn't send lightning over people who, who, who take his name in vain. God doesn't react and, 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 and destroy people the way he could and he should. They follow their own ungodly passions. That means they are driven by what their indulgences scream out at them, what their organs scream out at them, what their flesh tells them to do. They are driven by their urges. They cause divisions. They twist and turn doctrines to create a division. Whenever anybody, they see people all united, if they see a family, if they see a marriage, if they see a church, they bring in some sort of a twist in order to get people one on their side and one on the opposing side. That's how they uh, develop significance. They are worldly. They are worldly. They cause divisions. They come up with these new revelations. They claim to have new revelations. They claim to have a modified revelation on what the scripture says. They make Paul and, 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 uh, and Luke and John and all of these guys look primitive. They make Paul look like an egotistical uh, chauvinist. They make the Old Testament or, and the New Testament look medieval. New revelations, new truths, modified understanding of scripture. They claim to be the ones that God has enlightened in this day and age. Beware, beware, be alert, beware. They are here, they are now, they're on TV, they're in books, they're in your family, they're in your church. They, are, they have crept in among us. They're not out there, they're among us worldly they're worldly that means they carry a bible but they follow the world they read the bible but they listen to the world their hearts are divided they take what god is saying they listen to it by monday morning they're back in the world they're back thinking the same way they shift and, and, and twist the standards of morality of maturity of materialism and of manners, of morality, change the standards, of maturity, change the standards, materialism and manners. And lastly, he says they are devoid of the spirit. They are devoid of spirit. There's no semblance of God's spirit, God's holiness. Some people take the name of Jesus and their worship experiences are so devoid of the, of the, of the sanctity of God's presence that you begin to wonder, is God not violated by this? If God were to appear, if he were to suddenly appear and people could see him, if he suddenly came into the center of the room, would not everybody just stop it, stop singing, stop yelling, stop screaming and fall flat on their face, forwards, not backwards, mind you, forwards, fall flat on their face and say, my God and my Lord, devoid of the spirit. There's no, there's no sign of the Holy Spirit. The work of the Holy Spirit in, in, in bringing us fleshly carnal people and making us spiritual new life people. That's pretty heavy. 
Everything I've said right now is pretty heavy. And it, it, I know, I understand that. But what did I say in the beginning? If you were going down the wrong track, if you were being swayed, would you not hope that someone who truly loves you would come and tell it to you straight that there is this truth, there is a deception pandemic and you've got to immunize your faith. This stuff creeps in and we've got to be careful. So what is common about the liquidation of grace in the last days? Can I repeat that question? What is common about the liquidation of God's grace in the last days? Well, both are evidenced by centralization of spirituality. What is supposed to be spiritual looks and feels carnal. What is supposed to be touched as the holiness of God, the throne of God, the foot of the mountain of God is turned into a spiritual, physical, sensual uh, experience, sensory experience. This is appealing to people. That's why it works. It's alluring. It's attractive. It connects with our base needs, you see, and it reduces God's plan. Please listen to this. Don't miss this. It reduces God's plan to lift man out of the mire of carnal depravity. Two parts to this. It it reduces God's plan to lift people out of the mire of our physical and sensual depravity and live, help us live in the newness of life that God's spirit in, gives us impetus. To take us out of the muck and put us on a rock, to take us out of the dark and put us into the light. It reduces God's plan and it takes us right back to the mire and we live in the same cesspool of sin, but we act and sound spiritual. The Bible warns about this. It says there's a form of godliness. So by ceremonies and by activities and by taking the name of Christ and by, you know, chanting the amazing grace and singing the amazing grace of God, the amazing love of God, yet nothing has changed, changed in our, in us, the central core of our life. We have not been regenerated, renewed, brought back to life. He's saying there are people who are out there to deceive you so that you stay in your sin, but think you're saved. There are people out there to deceive you so that you stay in your sin, but think that you're saved for heaven. They've made spiritual life deceptively permissible for the indulgence of the flesh. And they sing the amazing grace of God. I know, I know that was heavy. I know it was heavy for me to study this stuff. And it was heavy for me to reduce the book of Jude and just, just give you what is the most applicable and palatable to you right now. There's so much more when you go looking for it. But this stuff creeps in and we need to immunize ourselves. So let me talk about that for just a minute before I close. How do we immunize our faith? Well, firstly, we don't go chasing after these fakes. Okay. We don't go looking for them and trying to expose them and then and shoot true theology at them. They are fakes. They're not going to swallow our theology. We don't have time for that. Some people make a career out of it. Some people get a whole lot of YouTube likes just from taking shots at other people. But the immunization is right here in verse 22 onwards. Look at it, please look at it in the screens with you. But you, beloved, building yourselves up in the most holy faith 
But you, beloved, building yourselves up in the most holy faith and praying in the Holy Spirit, keep yourselves in the love of God, waiting for the mercy of our Lord Jesus that leads to eternal life and have mercy on those who doubt. Save others by snatching them out of the fire. To others, show mercy, hating even the garment stained by flesh. He begins by saying, but you, beloved. He's saying, you are not deceived. You are genuine. You've got it right. And you have a desire and you don't take the grace of God for granted. But what you need to do is immunize yourself because those people are out there. They are certain people, individuals who have been sent and they are on a mission. So you immunize yourself. How do you do that? As you build yourself up in your faith, disciplines, habits, spiritual habits, reading of the word, fellowship, uh, and, 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 and being with God's people, as you do that and as you pray in the spirit, that is as the Holy Spirit leads you to pray for the things God wants to do, pray for the thing God wants Pray for the things that break the heart of God. The Holy Spirit will put on your heart the heart of God. The Holy Spirit will put on your heart the heart of God and you will begin to pray the heart of God. Praying in the Spirit and building yourself in the... As you do this, as you do this, do the following. Keep yourselves in the love of God. Remember that you are here and who you are because God loved you before you could love him. Abide in his teachings, as we talked about two weeks ago. The second thing you want to do is wait for the mercy that leads to eternal life. Trust the judgment of God. Trust the justice of God. Don't, don't walk away from your faith simply because you can't reconcile a reality. Faith was never built on what you see. Faith is built on what you know. And what you know has been revealed to you by the Spirit of God. Don't walk away. Have mercy on those who doubt, because you and I struggle with doubt too. Have mercy. People all around us do struggle with doubt. Don't dismiss them as unbelievers simply because they uh, expressed a doubt. Have mercy on them. You'll pick this up again in just a bit. He says, save others by snatching them out of the fire. Tell the good news. Tell the good news. People are headed for a lost eternity. They're headed for disaster. They're headed for the punishment of their own sin. Grab them in the nick of time and tell them the good news. Right now, they won't want to listen to you. And your news is not good news right now. But when their eyes are opened and when faith is born in their heart, they will thank you for eternity because they will be there in eternity with you to thank you for eternity. And again, he says, and lastly, he says, still others show mercy with fear in a sense of fearing of God, fearing that there is impending doom, fearing that there's deception all around. Uh, there's, a, there's an eternity without Christ, fearing that there are true truths we don't like. Have a healthy fear of God and show mercy on people by telling them the truth and hating the very look at the words he used hating even the garments stained by the flesh just have nothing to do with what this world considers is eternal pure holy they don't get to define that the world doesn't get to define marriage they don't get to define true love or forgiveness they don't get to define the standards of acceptance you know it from the father and you hang in there show mercy to them. And then Jude closes with a doxology, with one of the most beautiful doxologies 
in the scripture, one of my favorites. What's a doxology? Well, it comes up from two words, doxo and ology or logia. Doxa and logia. Put those two words together and you have doxology. Doxa means praise and logia comes from the word logos, which means word. So it is the, it's a word of praise as you close. The word of praise to God, the word of exaltation to leave on the note of putting God in the highest place. That's doxology. We sing the doxology. We say the doxology. A benediction is somewhat a doxology. Here's what he says in verse 24. Now to him. Now to him, because no matter what we're trying to do, immunize our faith, stay, stay faithful, hang in there. No matter what we're trying to do, we can't do it without him. So look at what he says that God can do for you. And the word of praise he leaves about God, but your word, you word. Look at what he says in verse 24. To him who is able to keep you. Isn't that beautiful? He's able to keep you. You're not on your own. You're not fighting this on your own. You're not going to not know when you get deceived. You're not going to, against your will, being dragged away. Your own heart will drag you away, but you know you're going that direction and he can keep you from that. He can keep you from sin. He can keep you victorious. There is a certain victory. And he says that in the next line. He says, to him who is able to keep you from stumbling. He will keep you upright. He will make sure you won't fall. There is somebody watching out for you for your faith and for your victory. And he's able by keeping you through this life to present you in eternity blameless. Isn't that amazing? You are always trying to present yourself blameless to everybody around you. We're always trying to blame others or we're trying to come out clean. But Jesus is committed to, to presenting you blameless. God is investing in your success as a spiritual being here on earth. So he says, and present you blameless before the presence of his glory and with great joy. This brings great joy in heaven to present you and me spotless, blameless to God. Other people are trying to point fingers at you. Satan is trying to condemn you. Satan is trying to uh, accuse you. But Jesus is not pointing fingers at you. Jesus is trying to prove you clean, blameless in him with great joy. That's the God you and I love and worship, Jesus. Only he does this for us. Only he wants to do this for us. Only he's the one who can do this for us. To the only God, that's the hymn he was talking about in verse 24. To the only God, our Savior, through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Then he, he stacks up the praise for God. This is what a believer should be passionate for. He says, for the glory of God for the majesty of God, for the dominion of God, the authorship of God, the authority of God for all time, forever and ever and ever and ever. May God alone be glorified. All dominion, all power, all majesty given to God who's, who was raised from the dead and is holy and lifted high. Praise him. Praise him. Hallelujah. The risen Savior. Exalt the mighty God. That is the passion of the believer. So there's two parts of us. There's one part that is alert. Be alert because there's a deception pandemic. And the second part of us is be engaged. Be engaged in the life that God calls every disciple to live. 
If you're engaged in that life, stay in the love of God, he says. He says, stay in the love of God. Let me tell you what else he says. He says, wait for the mercy of God. Uh, He says, have mercy on others. If we stay in the love of God, tell people the good news. If we're engaged, we will not sway. We will be immunized from deception. We will immunize our faith. May the Lord bless you, you know. May the Lord bless you. I just want you to to live a life free from guilt. Live a life with surety and certainty that God has you in his arms, in in the palm of his hands. And he has covered you with the shadow of his wings. And you are safe and you are secure. Now to him, now to him be all the glory and honor. Hi, I'm Jeremy Dawson. And if you liked what you just saw, if it was a blessing, then hit the subscribe button. Come on, you can do it. Hit the subscribe button. uh, Hit the bell so that we know you want to hear from us. Lots of videos coming your way. Songs, worship, encouragement. Come on, subscribe. Let's take this forward and share with somebody you might know. Write a comment in the section below. But let's see you guys again. Come on, subscribe.